today everyone i'm satish and i'm from austin texas i've been a regular listener to the paper pencil podcasts and it has been a fantastic experience whenever i'm driving somewhere or whenever i'm drawing something i make sure to turn on these podcasts it's so good to know the journeys of all these distinguished artists from india and how they made to the top of the art community it really really helps a beginner artist like me as it motivates you and gives a new direction to your thoughts i really thanks warnavo from the bottom of my heart for giving a beginner artist like me this golden opportunity god bless you So that was Satej from Texas. Satej, thank you so much for your kind words. I'm so happy these conversations motivate you. If you would like to share your experiences with the Paper Pencil podcast, you can do that by visiting the website. Click the last link in the show notes. Hello and welcome back to the Paper Pencil podcast. I am Swarnavo, the host of this show where we talk about art and the artists behind them, their stories, experiences, learning, inspirations and a whole lot of other things. Now, let me quickly remind you to subscribe to this podcast and if you happen to enjoy this episode, tell your friends about it. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media. Now today we will go back to one of the finest art schools in the country. If you remember a few episodes ago, episode number 30 to be specific, I had the wonderful chance of speaking with Prashant Miranda. We spoke a bit about NID Ahmedabad his experiences and today I'm super happy to have another NID alumni in this episode. So I'm talking about Kaveri Gopalakrishnan. Uh Kaveri is an independent illustrator based out of Goa. like i don't know why so many people are living in goa these days but i'm guessing that's a cool thing to do so she's into a lot of other things uh, a lot of things actually so illustrating for books and uh, newspapers she does a lot of storytelling through comics and other graphic mediums as well and i'm quite excited to know more about her journey and a few of her projects like urban low comics karak collective and also her google doodle that she did So, Kaveri, welcome to the Paper Pencil Podcast. Hi, hi, sir. Thanks for having me here today. Thank you so much for making the time out. And uh, you know, uh, just before the recording for the uh, listeners, I was just telling Kaveri that my mother's name is Kaveri as well. And so, throughout this episode, every time I'll call her Kaveri, it'll just my my brain will be like, "Hey, what is happening?" So I'm pretty sure there'll be this one tiny voice wondering <laughs> what is happening here. But um, glad she is here. I'm glad she is here. And uh, so, Kaveri, I. figured uh, i think i found your uh, thing of course on instagram and uh, i think i saw a whole bunch of illustrations that you had done for books and that's exactly how i let's say came to know about you uh, to be very honest in it all cases right uh, so i would like to talk a lot about those things and uh, of course uh, being an outsider i'm a huge fan of nid ahmedabad and i would love to know your experiences over there just to kind of understand what all did i miss but uh, you know let's let's begin from there okay so i would like to start off your journey from uh, the conversation from your journey where it all began and i also remember you telling me that you were born and raised in mysore another place that i absolutely love and also the foothills of chamundi hills so again people who have been to mysore would probably of course know chamundi hills right beautiful view of the city from the top if you have ever been there so many monkeys my god yeah how can i forget the monkeys on top so 
turns out kaveri was born and raised at uh, the foothills of this very place so kaveri over to you let's let's start from there if it's okay yeah definitely um so yes i i actually uh, which i didn't get to mention earlier i actually was born and brought up in chennai in tamil nadu Oh okay. uh, for okay. but that was the first uh, you know for like the early parts of my life and from and that I loved that was a great childhood um but I we mm-hmm. moved to Mysore and I grew up at my grandparents farm which was also I think it's given me it, it influences a lot of my work definitely value the kind mm-hmm. of peace and quiet of growing up there and mm-hmm. yeah that was I think my view of Mysore is is pretty much that uh, I'll tell you earlier I don't think I know any of the fun places in Mysore <laughs> because it was mostly yeah mostly on the farm painting and yeah reading and doing things like that so what were you doing as a kid like uh, you just mentioned painting so uh, again what were you painting let's look at that what were you painting as a kid um i was a big archie comics fan and mad magazine fan mm. so uh, oh nice <laughs> So yeah so while i would like to say i did like some very beautiful paintings i mostly used to make a lot of small archie comic fan comics about like things like dating and boys and i don't know people going to the beach or things that like basically have we had no idea about as kids uh, so i right. still love sort of copying those stories uh, i think that's definitely where my love of comics came from that and mad because mm. again mm. sort of satire um i right. but yeah i love animals i love nature it's a big part of who i am and growing up in my so i kind of remember there always being cats and dogs and a cow nearby oh. and snakes and things so uh-huh. i i love like i do love animal and human crossover characters also so a lot of the time oh okay i have never that in your art but tell me this was mad available in mysore when you were growing up no mad was uh, my father was a big comics collector so he had a oh. lot of so he had old very old vintage mads that he must have got from somewhere the other and a lot of uh, hmm. archie and tintin and asterix and things so yeah i had that little library to kind of go through even if you don't understand nice. it it just some of it was just very cool and different from the books that you were getting correct no so mad uh, see when i was growing up mm. of course there was no mad back in calcutta at least i couldn't mm-hmm. find them and uh, sometimes i would uh, get my hands on let's say the spider man and like your marvel yeah. and dc comics and sometimes in the marvel comics i remember there used to be ads of mad magazine mm. and i always saw that character right that that character yeah, that guy yeah. from Alfred mad right Newman. yeah uh, and and yeah and and i would be like okay you know what that's so cool i would love to get my hands on mm. those magazines but i could never mm. now after moving to bangalore in 2019 before the covid of course right. so i don't know if you know my my favorite bookstore in bangalore i have spoken about that bookstore in this podcast so many times yeah. blossoms oh, there's definitely. this thing blossoms bookstore definitely you know right yes. so blossoms yes. the first floor on the left side is their comics and the uh, the illustrated book section mm-hmm. and that is where they have a whole bunch of old mad magazines that they sell and uh, I think you sell it for some thirty or forty bucks, mm-hmm, like a pop. And uh, I try to get my hands on it whenever I go there. I find something. So yeah. recently, I found uh, this one Star Wars. Uh, uh, this this edition that they had brought out, wherein they have a collection mm. of all the Star Wars related comics that nice. Mad had published ever yeah. in one book. Yeah. And uh, again, being also a Star Wars fan, I'm like, okay, this mm-hmm, is great. Mm-hmm. So I have that as. Well. Oh, that's very so cool. So I have been collecting. 
Yeah, I've been collecting Mad magazines now. Hmm. So yeah, you were collecting it back then. Your father was probably helping you. Yeah, I am collecting them now. Wow. So okay, so and and you really mad and uh, tinted, and I think you are absolutely right. I think I do see a lot of your comic inclination coming from there as well. So hmm. that's cool. So okay, then what happened? Um, yeah. So that's what I grew up in Mysore, and I think my folks that way. It was always assumed I would be an artist. I had that. I never had that. Uh, pressure of me of getting a real job so to speak <laughs> i think wow. i just thought that i would be wow. but um but yeah but coming back that i always i was also you know as at school i was good at the things i liked but not very great academically mm-hmm. otherwise so i just figured that a more serious profession was not for me and funnily enough when i was in high school uh, i heard about nid and it seemed i didn't really understand what design was but i knew that i loved painting mm-hmm. and drawing mm. and i figured that this sounded like maybe design was a commercially viable version of art yeah so then i went to design school i joined nid that was in 2007 yeah i joined nid and it was definitely this huge culture shock i had never of course yeah <laughs> firstly i i never knew that so many people spoke hindi uh i was used to mugging up hindi <laughs> and just you know it's a subject it's third language just don't fail right and then suddenly there's so right. many references pop culture and otherwise i really didn't get so it was really cool to such an eye open i think that's that's something i really take back from nid that i feel i met i really met people from all over the country and mm-hmm. um yeah it opened like my brain up a lot that way it was really yeah it was very interesting and uh, i was fortunate enough to be in the animation department which um again animation was not something i thought i would end up doing but i always had this love for sequential narr- narratives i always wanted to mm-hmm. be the person mm-hmm. writing the story and you know building that visual world for it so animation seemed like this natural pathway i there was never any grand plan to become an animation filmmaker uh <laughs> Mm-hmm. but i just felt like all the kind of it was a very how what's the word for it the studio vibe was great everyone would share their hard disks and i'd got to discover all this music and cinema which again influenced like the things as interested in or you know very like independent animation films and it was a really i think that yeah, that was the artistic side of nid that i really got to enjoy that i probably Uh, you know thought i'd miss since i didn't go to fine arts school and become a painter um mm-hmm. i mean in other words the animation department i think was the least design like department in nid which was great for me <laughs> um and yeah that's also where my love for storytelling was developed at the end of uh, your first mm-hmm. year basically you apply depend on your grades and your final jury you you know you sort of apply for a department and um mm-hmm. i think <laughs> I think I thought that I would do interior design um and I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to actually do but animation department seemed right. like the it it just said storytelling to me and there was this love for sequential narratives and uh I had a I don't know I had like many decisions in life it felt like I had a strong gut feeling and mm-hmm. it, you know uh skills that I could work on and be, you know join this field of design Uh, I mean, design that concept mm-hmm. of design, I guess, also in NID, at least to me, was it was quite intimidating you when you are in that space because you feel like you. Oh, why so? Because I, um, because at least for me, I felt like I wanted to understand what this design thing itself was. You know that it's something to do with mm-hmm. you being creative and 
you know, having got through an entrance exam that, uh, you know, that is like, that's so difficult to get through and all of that. Uh, there's a sense right. of maybe wanting to be able to prove something or, you know, find your voice and college is anyway, mm-hmm. this time mm-hmm. of exploration. So at least for me, I wanted to get, mm-hmm. get through the exploration and find that path. Uh, through it and I'm really okay, okay. glad in that sense that I was in the animation department because it was a really no- lovely sharing space and um, I through that I was also running the college film club for a couple of years um, oh, nice. which was which was so nice again just to have like say live action cinema apart from animation just to discover all these films in the library that I would never watch otherwise so sit and research on them right and, yeah and that was, yeah, so that was, that was most of NID and uh, I was there for, <laughs> for five years, which was the norm at that time. Um, yeah, five mm-hmm. years for a diploma was pretty normal in 2012. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I graduated and I'd applied for a job as a designer at Chumbak, which I got at the time. And oh, you were at Chumbak as well? Yes, okay. yes, I was. So that was you, my one you job. You would be the third guest on this on this podcast who has been with Chumbak for a while. Oh, really? Who, who are the other guests? Yep. So, uh, before this, we had Vijaya, who's also known as Preferit. So, she oh, was right. with Chumbak uh, right out of college. Ah. And uh, then, of course, another person who's, again, of course, in Goa currently, I hope she is, Chaya. So, Chaya Prabhat ah. was also at Chumbak for a while. Oh, I didn't know Chaya was at, Go- uh, at Chumbak. I knew she was in Goa. But yeah, she, <laughs> so last we spoke, she's in Goa, right. and uh, of course, Vijaya told me that she was uh, she met Shaya back in Chumbak. So, yeah, so Chumbak okay. connection again, okay. Oh, <laughs> all the small ones. So, yeah, yep. uh, so I think we were Chumbaks. There was me and another uh, friend, Mansi. We were probably the, the first um, in house designers, it was our first job. Mm-hmm. So, we joined right mm-hmm. when they were this tiny startup company and got to kind of see them before they exploded uh, you know into this large sort of name that they are today Um, but that was great that was my first and only job so anytime I give someone gyan about job and work experience I have to go back to it'll be from the book yeah definitely it was nice though it was a it was a uh, you know it was a business it was a startup but it was also such a mm. tiny team that mm. it was a nice uh, kind of space to like start figuring out things in or even mm-hmm. just to look at how the professional world works. Yeah. So would it be right to say that you probably had a huge hand in developing the visual language of Chumbak? Like the whole color mm. palette and the, the design aesthetics that they have and the owls especially. Right, right. Uh, would it be correct to say uh, I think, no, I'd actually say that I, I didn't have much an Im- impact visually with Chumbak at all. Uh, because mm-hmm. I was there for about a year, but um, Chumbak already had a strong visual identity through the designers before me. Right. And what I got to mm-hmm. experience on the job was, um, I guess, the value of all the other work that goes into, you know, a creative product, like actually researching mm-hmm. and developing for it or working with colors and sampling of materials which were things I didn't realize as valuable skills right. at that time like right. it's the, the production, the production part, part exactly of a creative thing mm-hmm. um so yeah the mm-hmm. and Chumak had this as a small company had this very strong identity then itself so it was about mm-hmm. learning how to adapt with 
another aesthetic like that uh, and that's something you would you'd only get to do i think you know in a job when you're fresh out of college right. it's a new experience correct yeah so yeah i was with them for about a year and i went with that feeling again of um i really really wanted to work as a freelancer i wanted to work independently and i realized mm-hmm. my work process is like that also i enjoyed that amount of freedom and space to put in my best and uh, right i yeah i just did i i can empathize with you on that <laughs> one i can really empathize yeah. with you so even in my corporate job where mm. you know i talk to people about being a team player and stuff i yeah. kind of go over and put it put out the disclaimer that you know what i know i am talking about being like i'm asking you guys to yeah, be a team yeah. player but to be honest i am more of an individual contributor because yeah. i like it that way yes. and my uh, the people who manage me they know that bit about me that okay this guy left alone does mm-hmm, the best mm-hmm. work and yeah man that's just <laughs> how it is that's just it's, how it is yeah, yeah it's it's good to acknowledge you know understand your working style also Like Correct. and that's Absolutely. just happened with time. We're saying that okay, these are my, these are this is how I work best, and these are ways that I'm not so great. So, you know, Absolutely. yeah, as a work process, um, yeah. But I think yeah, my career when I talk about a career or like a work and lifestyle, I guess that starts in yeah, 2012 when I started three, oh. say 2014 when I started freelancing, and mm-hmm. yeah, working on my own. It was uh. I think it was those first two to three years are quite a blur because I had this crazy energy of wanting to make it somehow as an illustrator and uh, you know right. support myself on this. I really didn't want to have it as a side job, and I definitely didn't mm-hmm. want to work in an office. So that yeah, that kind of crazy energy at twenty four, yeah, I went with it. Right. all this was when you know you can do so as many sleepless nights as you want which was amazing i did right correct and correct now things just don't work out no, right like these days i'm like I, it's 11 and i'm like okay i need to sleep yeah at if i'm still working at 6 o'clock i'm angry at myself i get pissed off and i switch off the laptop ah. and say you know how could you do this like like give myself a little right. mental note and it's such a good right feeling then because um Hmm. it's about the fact that the fact that you have the freedom to do that right you have the power mm-hmm. to like kind of scold yourself at 6 <laughs> o'clock because you're yeah. working till 6 yeah that kind of freedom you don't have when you're working for others of course in this case yeah. that's true yeah it's like uh, it's you have to be nice to yourself also treat yourself like a good employee say that you deserve a break be okay with that right um right you deserve a raise as well <laughs> that i that i try not to tell myself sometimes otherwise i'll be disappointed <laughs> if i'm like no you should get more money oh, that is so sad <laughs> that is so sad <laughs> no that's just i just like making fun of that part of it but um yeah. i've supported myself on this since 2012 so yeah i work i hmm. work for it it's okay I have my off days hmm. Hmm. um right but yeah Okay, so then what happens? So twenty fifteen uh, is when you start working as a freelancer, and uh, so then what happens after that? Uh, sorry, yeah, that's twenty. Yeah, around twenty fourteen. I so I started out by, um, I'd email publishing companies nearly every day. I'd sent out like some ten fifteen mm. mails. I was connecting. Did that work? Okay, I'm, I'm going to pause you here. Did that? Did that work? Yeah, it did. It definitely worked. It did. It definitely worked. Um. <laughs> because 
see i have been trying okay. i have been trying the same thing okay and i'll be i'll be honest i have not of course sent 10 15 emails every single day yeah. i'd be very honest but then the few times i send emails now uh, i always get because see for me uh, thankfully 2021 has been a great year because i've got a few books finally and oh, uh, i'm doing working on them yeah, and probably they'll be published this year if everything goes well Excellent. but i know for a fact like where you are coming from as well i am constantly finding myself that you know i also like that storytelling bit hmm. more than just a single illustration if that makes yeah. sense okay yeah. uh i would my dream like you said you're doing your second graphic novel now mm-hmm. my dream is one day to have my own graphic novel <laughs> yeah. like end to end i know i'll spend a year two years yeah. on that but i want to do a great job mm-hmm. at doing a great graphic novel mm-hmm. and i i just love that and of course children's books are there right? these mm-hmm. two are my dreams and uh, man I, i've been trying i've been not so much again as i told mm-hmm. you but uh every time i have let's say uh emailed a publisher i've not always gotten a great response to be honest uh, in a lot of cases yeah we'll let you know and those kind of responses right so i i'm that's why i wanted to know so it worked for you is it um it worked for me as i i'd say it worked for me but yeah it took a couple of months to get responses um because i was and for me it's always been and will always be like um financially motivated say that in a sense that i that pushes me to kind of push to get work because i don't have another source i i um, and that, that kind that's, of a, that's the my weakness yeah of course yeah, not to yeah. not to criticize you in that sense but see i would give it a longer timeline if i had other work mm. as well in this case i was very i was very like hungry to start working and i was also very adamant exactly. that i have to get paid something so did i take projects mm. that you know paid me amazingly no of course not but i wanted to make the bills i did you know tiny little gigs mm. i did like some life painting along the side i do um you know a project but i'd work make some small icons for a friends film things like mm. that so mm. i was working enough to be able to spend another month to keep sending those emails blah 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 i wasn't doing anything else i was just nice. in this zone i'd say and does it work yes it also works if you uh get in touch with the right people for example right. um there's also a uh, well, how do i say this it's it's when you're from a design college you do have a network and everyone has to acknowledge True. True. that that gives you a certain access even if i mail someone and okay. you know say do you have do you know the name of an editor here or a art director so mm-hmm. it's not like i would get a job through that but maybe they know my name then i've mailed them directly or i've sent them a portfolio and why i didn't get work initially mm. is that i didn't have work that suited their production house their publication so then i sit and make mm. oh my god i worked so much i'm thinking about now and i feel so tired <laughs> and it wasn't exhausting right then <laughs> yeah correct was, yeah retrospective of course yeah but it was um yeah but but it was that i do think it was a lot of perseverance and kind of hard work at that mm. point but also i had enough save made enough savings to be able to give myself a little time then and um mm. i think i it i think how do i say this yeah um to be very honest though like i and this is the next part of my journey i did um i saved up enough to go for a residency at school of visual arts in new york and that was something mm-hmm. that was a very deliberate move at that time because i felt i had 
no idea how to survive as an illustrator in india i didn't even know if there was a viable career and mm. i heard about this summer school program in this uh, sva which was a college i really admired and it was mm. affordable enough and i went for two months but that was great because it was like a boot camp illustration was a stronger mm. industry there and i i think the in just those two months that i was there i saw my own work differently or i i was more mm. how do you say it? it felt less trial and error for me i felt like i was taught certain tricks and trips like even things like so be concise work, right? or like i don't know mm. terrible making presentations i didn't know the value of how to present your work mm. so little things like that mm. when i came back to india after two months um i think i was more professional in my approach and i came with like a little more structure and i didn't feel as unprepared and that's when projects started slowly coming in as well like it would be one tiny right. book cover but then it would lead to another from the same mm. company like that mm-hmm. yeah how many books have you done so far like i know i will be wowed by the number i'm sure but yeah, how many <laughs> books have you done so far uh book covers or entire books book covers also entire books the total number it's oh. how many kaveri go illustrated by <laughs> kaveri gopalakrishnan books are out there um i i it covers i'm not too sure to be honest but i think it would be under uh-huh. 10 under 10 children's books uh-huh. covers and i've done them all that's what during the first like say 4 5 years of my career um mm-hmm. books i think it was at 14 um wow at, that is yeah, children's yeah they're all they're 14 they're all children's books um mm-hmm. not including comics that i've done um these are mm-hmm. entirely like illustrated books like with an author uh one or two of them mm-hmm. one was a private commission book so that was uh, a self published project right, yeah right and uh, comics i've done whatever i've done um i worked on urban lore with artika prasathi i think mm-hmm. we discussed It brought that up earlier in conversation. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think, but, but those again, I put under self-published. I've self-published comics, and then I've gone on to sell them or apply them to be in anthologies that got published later. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if we include that, that's maybe about three or four more. Um. Yeah, and I did right. a graphic novel with Scholastic. That was the first graphic novel I worked on. Yes, which was yes, yeah. Yes. I I mean I can totally understand you when you say that. Um, you know, you just want to do one great graphic novel. I always wanted to do one great graphic novel, and it's a very yeah, it's a very amazing feeling also just to work on something of that scale. I like can. it's. You know, I swear I can imagine I'm, this. I can only imagine. I'm this. sure you'll you'll feel the same when you do it. But I oh please, yeah, I just yeah. hope that day comes very soon. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm also I also know you know what it'll come when the time is right yeah. because I am constantly evolving every day. Exactly, my style is evolving. Every yeah. Day. So I know when it comes, I will be able to do justice to it. Yeah. That one graphic novel, like that's yeah. a dream. But uh, let me let me ask you this: How much time did it? Uh, so this graphic novel with Scholastic that you did, right? Yeah. Uh, how much time did it take? The um, entire process. I think it. Uh, this is with breaks and all, of course. It. Uh, I think mm. it was a one forty page book, and I was working on one half of the book. So the half, the like one of the stories. So that was seventy, mm. a hundred pages in a year and a half. 
year and a half. Yeah. Wow. And that. I think, yeah. yeah. Is that a lot or is that a little? No, I feel that's the correct number of days for <laughs> that because from whoever I've heard or mm-hmm. whatever I've read, and from the little experience. So I've I've done a couple of books mm-hmm. recently. I'm working on a couple of children's books, right? Again, yeah. sixteen pages, fourteen yeah. pages, the usual stuff, right? End to end, spread yeah. to spread, right? Uh, the amount of time I have been taking for them, and now when I multiply that to a graphic novel scale, mm-hmm. I totally see myself at least working for one one and a half years at least. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's at a pinch. Like it depends on your treatment and your style as well. It depends on the kind of story you're working on. You know, if it's a very artistic graphic novel, it will take you that much more time. You can't shortcut it. And uh, I, 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 can, I know what you're talking <laughs> about. For some reason, my first graphic novel, I did it entirely by hand, and I, I will mm. never understand till date why. Not that I regret it, but. I was sitting and inking everything by hand, though I probably could do it as well on tablet. Uh, but that was right. a very cool feeling. To uh, how do I say it? I felt like an old-time drafts person or something. You know, where you're just sitting and inking, inking, filling everything in a very like, right. uh, you know, it's like a nice zone to kind of work in, which you don't get with smaller publications, smaller illustration projects. <laughs> No, I think I also know because again the coincidence of it. Just last night because I was I was sketching something, okay, mm. and this this random thought just ran across my mind. I was like, man, the day I do that one that one graphic, mm. I don't know why am I giving it so much success, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. one graphic novel. You know, I really have a feeling I will probably end up doing a lot of work by hand, like mm. uh, at least the line work bit I will mm-hmm. do by hand, and then I will probably take it to a, a tablet to kind of do the. Uh, coloring yeah. part of it, I have a feeling I'll do that as well because yeah. I feel the authentic. I know that's not a word, but authenticness. Let's call it mm-hmm. okay. The authenticity of that graphic novel will come only when it is coming. I don't know. It's just I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I even mean, I can't put it to words. To it's be honest, uh, right? it has. I mean, it's just the process you enjoy, right? Like for me, it it may look <laughs> the same to someone else, but it doesn't really. That doesn't matter. Oh no, the line quality I mean, is so much different. I mean, to uh, how do I say it? It might not. Someone might notice it to the level that you're noticing it, but you brought something in mm-hmm. just by enjoying oh. the process. Like it's true. You know, and if when you, you look like at it, you yeah, have a you can see feeling. it. You can see the difference between something that you kind of you know put your heart and soul to, as opposed to something right. that maybe was a project. <laughs> it. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree, and I really hope one day. Uh, uh, somebody reaches out to me, or I can reach out to yeah. somebody who can give me such a project where they say, you know what, take your time. Yeah. But and I read the story and I read the draft and I'm like, yeah. dude, this is the one. This is the one. <laughs> I'm I'm really waiting for that. It's like falling in love or something. Am I romanticizing it too much? Yeah. Why Kaveri? not? I mean, I romanticize it, but I'm I fully take it. I, I love the magic of making comic books and the romance of uh-huh. it, and uh, you Correct. know how poetic it feels and. It's a great feeling. <laughs> uh, you know, Damn, I've been nice. making fun of it, but yeah, I still, I still think it's it's great. How do I say that? I definitely think that. Um, you know, sometimes I see people do certain kinds of projects, and I'm like, oh my god, how could you spend sixteen hours? I don't know, like, you mm. know, working like say on something like typography. I find it, I find it mm. unbelievable mm. that someone can work at that level. It's I have full respect. Right. Um. But at the same time, I I also get that I'll spend sixteen hours on the colors of one panel, 
and I love every step of it. I don't mind going back and forth. There's no such thing as too many redos and repeats, but I'll know when it's clicked in and I'll know when I've found a way through it. So it's like choosing, you know, it's like choosing your, choosing your pill sort of a thing. Like when you enjoy the stress of a good deadline or you, you like the fact that something took a lot of yes. effort or labor. Yeah. You are quite poetic, yeah. Me? You're very poetic. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I've really spent so much time thinking about myself during lockdown. I have lots of dialogues, lots of quotes and lines <laughs> in life, I think. Um, no, but that's, that's really cool. But, Just tell me this, okay? Because yeah. I, I want to be there one day and you are at that place. You have a graphic novel out already with a major publisher that too, right? Thank you. How yeah. does it mm-hmm. feel when you walk into a bookstore and you see your graphic novel in front of you? How does it feel? Um, it feels, uh, it, it actually feels very rewarding. It feels great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what, I, what I mean to say is that that's what I love about publication or like doing anything book related. It's something I've grown up with, you know, like reading books and thinking one day I'll make mm-hmm. this myself or it's such a nice feeling. It feels like you're part of this world. And I, I, know. I really, I do like, it feels weird though. It feels like I, when you see your name printed, it's like, who is this person? They're much more professional than I am. <laughs> They're much more adult. <laughs> um, yeah, but that yeah, that's that's really nice. That's a nice feeling for sure. That's yeah. that's damn cool. That's that's really cool. Uh, okay, so you know what I I uh, so I, I, okay great. So I I kind of figured out your journey a little bit, and mm-hmm. uh, I think you're also uh, you've also worked with a few children's book publications, right? So I think Pratham would be one of the next like, story weaver in that yeah. case. Is that right? Yeah. So, and uh, uh, I think you've also worked as an art director in a few places because I was just looking up you up on the internet. Yeah. Uh, have you also been into art direction? Yes. So, I've uh, major- a lot of the children's books I've worked on and actually end up working as an art director were with Pratham Story mm-hmm. Weaver. So, for about four to five years, mm-hmm. um, my first children's book actually was from Pratham. Uh, I got a mm-hmm. call, one a message one day from someone I never met before who said, you know, I, I just saw your work and I really like it, but can you perform a miracle in two weeks? And I was so desperate for work and I was so excited that I could do a book. I said, yes, yes, yes. No idea about right. anything. Oh, and um, two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. And uh, two weeks, I think it was maybe 10 illustrations. I'm not sure. But... Oh, um, and and uh, full spread uh, spot. Uh, they were, yeah, like at least like two thirds of a page. And I generally preferred, even up to the spot, I like doing a whole illustration. And it was my first book. So mm-hmm. I was like, I will do double spreads. I'll do anything. You know, I'm not calculating. <laughs> um, but that was a, yeah, that was a really cool turning point, actually, because the person who took this chance on me, uh, you know, to do my first children's book and the book turned out well. I had a really good art director as mm. well, who, you know, kind of took me through it. Um, but hmm. the funny thing is that after that book, I, I was doing another book with them and, um, the same art director asked me if I wanted to direct as well. Um, and that's oh, something I never wow. thought about, but I've always enjoyed, how do I say this? I've always enjoyed, I'm not as eloquent in conversation, but when it comes to critique, I think I can, I've enjoyed getting to the heart of hmm. it. I like being able to analyze other people's work and see patterns in it. So I thought I'd give it a try and. It was really nice. I got this chance to art direct and I've art directed over 33 books now. 
which is uh, really exciting because they have contributed in some tiny way. Even if the illustrators took it down yeah. themselves. Uh, I also really loved working with illustrators a lot of the time. Getting to see how someone else's processes is always fascinating. Um, and when they mm. just, you know, especially as an illustrator, if you are direct, you look at your own work differently mm. suddenly. You know, I can imagine. So, yeah. Through, you know, uh, yeah, you're looking through it in a more technical eye. Or you're suddenly realizing mm. how important it is that it has to communicate. And you've worked with Story Weaver as mm. well. So, you know, I'm sure you understand mm. like the content you're working on is not a fiction story. It's um, there's information mm. in there, there's, there's science or tech info mm-hmm. or math info. And that's yeah, it's a nice right. way to test your own storytelling skills also. But what are the qualities you feel? Because see, I'm, I'm still figuring out this whole art direction hmm. scene. Okay. And, I'm, and uh, of course, thankfully, I've been working with one art director mm-hmm. uh, lately for one of the books. And, yeah. Uh, of course, it as an illustrator, it has helped me so much, especially an illustrator who probably, my, my basics are not straight. Let's get this right, right? Because I haven't been to Sorry? an art college. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't mm-hmm. know a lot. Of, so mm-hmm. I said a lot of the things, the basics I am not sure of because I have never been trained as an yeah, artist, right? Yeah. So or an illustrator. So I may not know a lot of things, right? <clears throat> so the working with this art director really helped me. So I wanted to check with you on this that uh what do you think are the qualities an art director should have? Hmm. Like what makes somebody a good art director? Um okay, I I'm thinking I my first art director, as Yamni, who I worked with, was she was a great art director for me because she understood my process of way of working. Hmm. If I was stuck with something or taking a while, she'd uh, be able to say, suggest a different way of looking at something, or she knew what my strengths were. So it made it comfortable for me to work as an illustrator. And also, it's important to feel like your art director has your back. They're the in between with you Uh and the company so you know if your art director is saying send me this quickly it's uh which is their job of course it's different from them saying if you're stuck can we figure this out or even and it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if they're from a visual background or not i mean i had a great art director who was you know from a more editorial or creative writing background but that worked better for me because i didn't need someone i didn't want someone to hold my hand visually um okay but as an art director i'm very visual. I'm an illustrator, so I had to do the opposite. Mm. I had to like look look outside my own work. And I think times where I was successful as an art director, I, I feel like it was my job was was done. Okay, is so when I knew when um, there were some illustrators I worked with who need who needed zero guidance in that sense, or who just take on the project and end to end. I knew and they knew that they deliver right. you know perfectly entire trust. And there were some illustrators who enjoyed talking about it they enjoyed sending me like you know rough sketches mm. over whatsapp it was a very loose process right. and there wasn't a very formal right. relationship in it but i think figuring out uh the working style of the person you're working with is mm-hmm. it, it really helps you become a great art director because a person who's illustrating finally will want to give it their all i wanted to mm. not quantify my work as much when i felt like the person like like i'm not just handing my art over and I'm done, you know, you want the person to feel involved mm-hmm. in the project. Um, right. I think, I think, I think that and very direct feedback as well, <laughs> along with all the huh, right. handholding and, you know, getting along. It's um, knowing how to critique someone also, because there are lots of 
I guess there are a lot of hurt feelings also sometimes. <laughs> they yeah, can be, true. you know, that's you true. fall in love with your own work. I I so know what you're talking yeah. about. I so know it. those moments as an illustrator when you get your heart broken yeah. and you get it broken so many times. Yeah. It just yeah. like I don't know what it does to you. Yeah. But uh, you know, you know that makes sense. But w- talking about process, Kadri, mm. what is your process like? Okay, so um, <clears throat> when you are let's say approaching a new book, let's say you get a draft for a children's book. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how do you approach? It? What is your like first thing that you would do? Let's say. Um. And I get, trying to think for a children's book. It's different for each project. Um, ha, so let's say children's book, yeah. So for a children's book, uh, the first thing that I do is I I like to get as much information as I can, or even authors' notes on who are the characters, where are they based, where do they do they grow up in a small right. town or large town. Little kind of information that's not there in the book because I want to start. Hmm. I don't do character design usually when I start. I like building the mood. Hmm. So the way I work uh, now, or maybe in the last couple of years, has been I try to think of the mood or the feel of the book and come close to that. Mm-hmm. And then, for example, I'm a, a book that I worked on was um, it was a family and it was a yeah it was a sick family in Delhi. So I was thinking of my friend's house, and I remember their house was a very mm-hmm. tiny house, but it had a nice balcony. So I put that as a setting. What I'm trying to say is I try to mm. build the mood, think of references in my head. And then I, mm-hmm. the, one of the first things I do then is kind of roughly block out a scene from the book or a, okay. or a page. I block okay. out what it's like. Again, is it afternoon? Is it morning? What's the temperature like? Maybe figure out roughly what the colors are in there. Or if there's an area, now I think a little more in terms of lighting. <laughs> so I think of where the light mm. or where the mm. eye is going to go in that scene, the composition. Okay. So once okay. I have that, it's like a building block for me because then I, from there I can, uh, I do rough thumbnails again with thumbnails, either they're, either I already know what I'm going to do. So they're just kind of stick figures or a few notes. Um, or mm. to be honest, now I don't really do thumbnails anymore. I work on the same file. I just start doing an underpainting of it because okay. I'm more comfortable with my style now. I'm comfortable enough to know that this rough will probably work as a thumbnail. Whatever changes need to be and then I'll work them on as details later. It gives me a little mm. less room to go back to the drawing board. But it also makes me um, tighter, more confident while I'm drawing it. And the thumbnails end up getting approved. Um, that's in the more technical front. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I, I try to stick, I try to uh, not stick too much to a storyboard with the book and not get too attached to the characters also let them change it's fine while working on it and um again i i like doing a kind of i don't like working on one illustration and then the other and keeping that gap i like working on a set of them at least so it feels like they're part of the same family and then keep returning okay. to that and seeing like i'll send a set set of five scenes to the ad for example and i get that feedback try mm-hmm. to apply it to each of them for example if if the feedback says that the colors are too dull or that we're losing this detail mm-hmm. here, then I try to apply it to all of them. So it saves me time later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's how I work. That's how I work now pretty much, of course, and uh, rushing at the last minute to fill in all the detailing. But, so, but, also, maybe, you know what, uh, a parallel question, not exactly related to this, but mm. again, I think we can bring it back to this part, mm. which is, uh, 
how would you define your style because i have seen your illustrations okay and i am very happy to see this kavri that you know what your illustrations they they look very different like the style i don't always see a very uh consistent style which hmm. sometimes just becomes like a box in which you are living right hmm. and i i don't know why that's the feeling i get that in a lot of your illustrations i see that you try to explore quite a bit which i enjoy personally right so how would you uh, describe your style what are the components <laughs> or the elements um i find it quite difficult to describe my style especially yes if someone mm. asks me or you know if i think of it for myself because i can see the differences mm. i feel like i i keep changing it every year slightly um mm-hmm. what i've heard from other i think other people or friends have maybe said is that it's quite flowy and light i don't i i mm-hmm. think i mm-hmm. i see that and those are the only two words i can kind of think of um it's again i i i really do not my style is it's a bit fantastical and magical and scribbly to me because that's the kind of art that i relate to and i enjoy but at the same time it depends on it depends on my mood like i like doing very i like working on like on much darker themes sometimes and i really like drawing just you know doing i attend like a fair bit of these um i used to anyway of these live art sections where you have a model who's oh live art right yeah right. there were some great ones right. especially last year so i like i like working on those as well um but yeah i do i do think that i, I don't know what the words apart from flowy and light but i do think that there's uh, at least to me there's a lot of layers to something when i paint it at least i can see it like i even if it's a small scene i feel like there's i always have four or five more scenes that go along with that like it's fleshed out enough or oh. it's ready to go it's ready to become a small comic in itself like every illustration that i do um and i don't know how to put it that in words it kind of back sorry yeah it kind of this this whole comic thing and storytelling thing every time i see that you know what your answers they kind of come back and tie down in a very yeah. nice little knot that's a nice which way is of putting about it. a comic and storytelling mm-hmm. yeah like yeah so cyclic. i always see this happening man Oh huh, exactly there is this one scene to it like even if you are building one scene you are also thinking about two three other scenes which will come before and after yeah. that to complete the story you know yeah. which is quite interesting okay uh, so uh, you know what what, what are you working on currently is there any book is there any comic that you are working on currently because after this i would like to go back to your project yeah. also and talk about let's like, urban lore and other stuff yeah. but right now what are you uh, what are you sketching these days um right now so i I'm going to be working on a graphic novel, my second graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. which um yeah, I'm extremely excited about because I've been working on more fantasy magic darker themes lately and uh mm-hmm. without saying too much this this graphic novel is going to be something there like in the supernatural realm and I don't know if I wow. can do justice to the amount of graphic novels i've read of artists i follow who do work in this area but um i'm excited also because it's going to be the like at least till 2023 and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i know it uh, it it feels like the right time to work on a large project uh, right yeah and that's i'm i'm at the very early stages of it where i'm still trying to imagine this this entire book like i have i can think of a few characters mm. and stuff but otherwise mm. i'm still getting into into it itself 
and uh, that's going to be really exciting. The book is it's written by an author. I mean, it's, as in it's not my mm-hmm. script. Um, and that's also that's also going to be fun because I think a graphic novels you know version of a book is like a it's like a translation. You know, you right. have to. There's so much that you're going to be showing that can't be said and unlike in a in a graphic novel. Yeah, text. there's so many and there's right. so much pressure on you also to communicate so much, you know, in a single Correct. scene. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about that and that that's what looks like is going to be in my horizon, uh, at least. As, as a, yeah, at least for a while. Wow. I will take up other stuff alongside. Um, but yeah, this is going to be my focus. So <sighs> let's see how it goes. Wow, Very all the best early. to you. All the best to you. Thank you. But, uh, you know, if it's supernatural, I'm just thinking, hmm. like the moment you said the word supernatural, I'm just thinking, suddenly uh, you will have so much of extra freedom to convey things in so many different ways now because now once the, the let's say the rules and the laws of the regular world do not apply then you suddenly have this extra freedom to experiment a lot with the narrative and the, like the yeah. visual narrative in that case isn't it? yeah i think i think that's going to be very interesting yeah it falls in the uh, area of like magic realism you know which is not full-blown mm-hmm. fantasy but it's not a parallel universe mm-hmm. yet but it's something like if i have to say Harry Potter when he Harry Potter, is, yeah. when Correct. he's in the Harry Muggle Potter-ish. world where you have regular life but there's Correct. some elements of fantasy that are just taken for granted. Nice. That that's such a that's a very nice. exciting genre to like explore and uh, you know kind of work with. And supernatural, of course, I'm terrified of the dark, so this is going to be this is going to be great fun. I was, you facing it, yeah, yeah. You facing it. Yeah, I know. It'd be great. I still okay. love it. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, graphic novel suggestions because even I read a lot of graphic novels hmm. so what would be your like top three? Oh no <laughs> it's like whenever someone asks you this your mind goes blank um top I know I know <laughs> top three I'm trying to think of graphic novels that have really influenced me actually I'm, I'm going to go right back to Blankets by Craig Thompson um because that was mm-hmm. one of the first slice of life graphic novels I read and before that it was you know, DC, Marvel, Tintin, Asterix, Diamond, right, right. whatever. So right. I loved Blankets because it had a lot of, like a lot of heart in it. And it was just the story of someone growing up. Um, definitely Blankets. Uh, another one, the, yeah, again, since this is my top three, is Vampire Loves, um, which mm-hmm. is, uh, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's like a supernatural fantasy graphic novel by Joan Svart. He's the same person who did mm-hmm. Rabbi's Cat. I think it's an animation film. Okay. Um, I vote for mm-hmm. that because that is satire. At the same time, it's it reminds me, it's got that mad vibe where you have these strange-looking characters, almost like the Sunday section of the comic, but they're saying extremely huh. profound things. Um, and I love it anyway. I'm definitely putting that in there because I haven't read anything else like it after that. And... Okay. I'll definitely... And I think I'll go for three shadows. Um, mm-hmm. God, I don't remember. I don't want to avoid saying this because something. But he was basically the mm-hmm. storyboard artist for Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, and okay, this is okay. his graphic novel. It's called Three Shadows, and it's it's beautiful graphic novel with this family living out in the woods and the three shadows watching them. And I don't want to tell you more about it, but it's just the whole book is. It's like watching uh, like a 
I don't know, it's like watching a film, and it's entirely just black and white, brushstroke. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually looking at the images of yeah. it on Google. It's damn cool. Yeah, I I really love that. If love you've seen uh, Secret of Kells, um, have you seen the animation called Secret of Kells uh, and Song of the no, Sea? It's it's a, like a different style of animation. It's a different genre, I think. But it reminds me of that a little, like the way very. lyrical kind of storytelling again which appeals to me yeah that's my top 3 okay, i can <laughs> i have i have a lot yeah more. i've made notes i've made notes i'll definitely look them up i'll, I'll definitely look excellent. them up i'll send you, you know, more what i'll tell you i'd love to i'd love to so i'm slowly building a whole library of yeah. graphic novels at my place here in bangalore so okay. yeah i'm doing, but i'll tell you oh. where i am Where I'm stuck right now, oh, I'll so tell you what. So right now, the graphic novels that I've been collecting over the past twenty twenty say, huh? So la- the last yeah. one and a half years, uh, yeah. they are mostly. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but the novels that I'm selecting are all color. Okay, so I okay. I don't know why. Maybe it's because like you know what I just love the way they look or whatever. But I'm choosing a lot of them because I think I would also like to understand color through them a little bit. But uh, then again, uh, I do see a few uh, of the things that you mentioned as well. So I think now it's slowly time for me to move towards, <laughs> let's say, monochrome or let's say these uh, pink ah, one as well. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely have to uh, uh, explore them for sure. Hmm. Oh, that's uh, that's funny. Say that I actually I have. I mean, if we're even myself at the same time, I have this. graphic novel library i've been building up for myself but um nice. it's just all any time i don't want anything or like i had some extra money in college i would just save it up and buy these graphic novels and right. i think it's it's a, i really miss my library i think i think that's what i miss most for living goa that just the best place to it's so satisfying to have a bookshelf filled with yeah these books in study yeah and uh, i get i think honestly i, I don't think i I don't know about the color versus black and white thing about storytelling. These three I mentioned also because that's the kind of storytelling I'm thinking about these days. But right. uh, but yeah, for example, I don't know if you read the Sandman series. Uh, there are people who are very Sandman, yes, like yeah, who are big Sandman fans. Where you have, I do like books mm-hmm. actually. Where you have a collection of artists, um, you know, in the same story, mm-hmm. like different styles, telling the same story. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. You see that in a lot of films as well. You see a lot of films where they have got like two, three different directors doing mm-hmm. it, or let's say uh, the visual language changes, which yeah. of course gives it a very different uh, treatment. Which of course I really enjoy. So you know what? Talking about Google, I would like to kind of take this opportunity to get into that Google Doodle that you did. So tell us about that. Okay. Um. So the Google Doodle, I think this to twenty sixteen. uh i think mm-hmm. no, it was 2017 and um i google wrote in to ask if i'd want to be one of the contributors for a special international women's day google doodle and like and why not <laughs> and i was yeah i was super excited and they said it was to they said they were getting touch as well as as a comic artist and it turned out that it was uh, i think women from around or like yeah women or women identifying people from about 12 to 11 to 12 countries around the world and we each had a word mm-hmm. for example growth or flight or struggle things like that mm-hmm. and their idea was that when you click on the google logo uh, typically it takes you to uh, like it's a it's about a character or a moment in history it takes you to an information page about that and 
stuff in this okay. case you'd click on the logo and you'd enter an online library where you could open up any of these 12 stories at any mm-hmm. point so that was that that was so much fun because the brief was really open it was just that the word mm-hmm. we're giving to you is growth and i had no idea mm-hmm. who the other artists were or what their words were and they said that you you get um i think five or six panels so when someone clicks on the google logo you know you keep clicking and you go 1 2 3 4 5 so that's the space you get right. to tell your story um and right. it could be anything as long as it was in the dimension so i did um i like when i think of growth i think of what books have always given me which was mm-hmm. like a space of comfort or escape escaping to that world and uh, one of my strongest memories of growing up and reading also is um when i used to take comic books onto my uh, father's terrace in chennai when i was growing up my friends and i would take mm-hmm. take a pile of books and we would just sit there drink juice and read books mostly so cool. <laughs> yeah man so cool yeah it was it was yeah it was nothing else to do it was chennai it was hot in summer and we were just sitting in each other's <laughs> houses so um yeah so i so i did a, so my comic was basically a small character that's crawling and it's the exact drawing the exact uh, roof of my house in chennai when i was growing up so it's a small character mm. climbing over the roof and with a pile of books and setting them up around her and as she reads she gets more and more excited and sprouts feathers becomes a gigantic bird and flies away oh so, wow <laughs> yeah so that was whoa that is uh that was yeah probably excited i was to read books and why i have very high power in my eyes today also breathing under the covers <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I used to do that. Yeah, that reminds me. I used to do that. So I used oh, yeah. to read a lot of books. Hmm. Not not necessarily comics all the time because when I was growing up, uh, I had more access to let's say Enid Blyton's mm-hmm. and uh, Roald Dahl's and, and those those uh, yeah. category of books, right? So uh, I remember I used to again the same thing under the covers hmm. and uh, and of course I should be sleeping, right? And of course back in the day there were no mobile phones, so I would not have a torch to myself, and I had this one. a uh, remote control car let's call it okay, okay a tiny little car which had headlights okay, okay. it had headlights and those are nothing but leds stuck over mm-hmm. there and they had a battery so you could kind of some light source so i used to take it with me okay. under the blanket and i used to use the headlights of that toy car as my reading lamp let's call it huh. and i used to read and and one of the i haven't done that for ages that reminds me i have grown really old <laughs> man i have not done that for decades i mean <laughs> it's been such a long while yeah now we can just put on our bedside lamps i mean now i don't even think about huh, reading yeah. a comic in bed that's <laughs> i do i still oh, really? do i still do oh, i have a, yeah yeah my graphic novels hmm. my i have this routine now where hmm. i have a, a graphic novel throughout the year on the uh, bedside table oh, yeah. and every night before going to sleep i would at least do that or uh, these days i have also taken subscription to a few art magazines mm. as well okay. so i have them so just before going mm. to sleep i like to kind of you know just look at some art and oh, then go to sleep so that's something that's that's so nice. it's, it's been i know yeah it's been such a great closure to my day yeah. as well um cool but this this google doodle that you just said uh, is it available somewhere where we can probably uh, see it or the audience can um, see it um yeah i think it's archived on it's archived on the google doodle archive so if you type in google doodle international women's day and my name or like 2017 then you should probably get it it'll pop right up in the archive okay 
I have Googled it and I think I will find it later for sure. Yeah, there are a lot of things here. Acha, on the roof, is this the one? Yeah, on the roof. It's like a purplish dark. Ah, I found it. Yeah, 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 I found it, found it. And from the shadows to hands are coming already. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. You. This is really cool. This is really cool. Okay. So, Kaveri, you know what? I would just like to get to know a little more about you in a certain aspects. And then, of course, we can go towards the closure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, see, you have done a lot of work with books. And, and this is a question which I'm asking more from a personal okay. context. Okay. Because I would like to know more about yeah. it. Right. Uh, so, how do you charge? Okay. How do you charge as in? Mm. And I'm not going to ask you the same question. Okay. okay how do you charge for your artwork? Because mm. that's not the question. It's a little more specific. Mm. One is how do you charge for your children's illustrated books? One, and compared to that, how do you charge for something as huge as a graphic novel? Because the day I get to do my that one graphic novel, I should know right how to charge. So that's why I'm asking you this question. <laughs> yeah. So how do you charge for children's books versus a graphic novel? Um. Well, with a with something. Second, sorry, my cat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, with children's books, in both cases, um, first the, the at least the children's books, the publishing house usually has a budget. And hmm. how do I charge? I try with a graphic novel. To be honest, I look at um, it doesn't make sense for me to look at pagination to say is to do like a per page or per panel cost. Right. But since right. we're talking volume, I kind of. I look at um, how much time it would take me, how much time realistically it would take to mm-hmm. work on this project. And again, the kind of treatment, the kind of effort that I'm putting into it. And a flat rate works better in that sense. Publishing houses have a royalty scheme typically, which you can negotiate for. So right. I go through that. And um, I mean, let's be honest, there isn't a lot of money in publishing. So hmm. it just needs to, it need, how do I say, it needs to be worth it in a sense for the amount of time that I'm putting it. Or it needs to be the kind of project where I feel like um, I can work on something else during that time and come back to this. That's also okay. that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a better answer for you. To be, to be honest, I think there's definitely, uh, it's definitely, I'll do the, typical sort of calculation which is looking at your years of experience or your volume of experience forget years volume of experience right. how much right. time one takes and how much you think that you you kind of afford to be paid so i keep in mind international standards and then i see what the usage of that work also is that's a factor in the costing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um where there would be a negotiation would be if the entire Rights are being take are being uh, sold over to a company, so the ownership that they have over it. For example, there have been mm-hmm. times where mm-hmm. I've quoted for a book, but I've kept the copyrights for it, and uh, maybe I've done some prints from it. Maybe I haven't. Maybe I've developed it into something else. But those are all basically the more that one kind of gives to the publishing company, the higher the costing would go. That's just, yeah. That's pretty much. Um, not pretty much how do I charge? Does that make sense? Is there, is there something in there? Um, it yes. does. I have two questions. Hmm. I have two follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. That. So one is, would it be okay for you to give me a rough sort of an uh, number, okay, for let's say a graphic novel versus a 16-page children's book? A rough number. It doesn't need not be your number, hmm. but like a rough 
standard let's say okay. uh, how much should uh, illustration for a graphic novel and let's say it's mm. a graphic novel which is like really detailed and you're really putting a lot maybe it's colored as well mm-hmm. compared to a children's book which also is a pretty neat uh, packed sort of a children's book but 16 pages um as in both in print right you're talking about being published both in print yeah 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 um i'm trying to think a 16 page book and book with so many different budgets i'm trying to remember which were the ones that kind of made um since i okay if i'm talking um, and i'm talking about a mix of like spot and full page and etc all those mm-hmm, technicalities mm-hmm. yeah um i think what's typically offered for a 16 page book uh you know these are rates i worked with in the past I may or may not work them now would be like i think it's sure. like um it works onwards somewhere but from 1500 to 4000 per illustration roughly i'm thinking mm-hmm. for a 16 page book so the math on that um right yeah. so that's one and the second question i wanted to ask uh, as a follow up was the copyright bit so you just mm-hmm. mentioned that you know what uh, sometimes you would want to keep the copyright yeah. with you right and i have been uh, thinking about that as well so my question to you is what will an illustrator do and i'm asking this because i don't know again right so mm-hmm. what can an illustrator do with the copyrights to an illustration that he or she has made for another book or the children's book or a novel um like why should i keep the copyrights with myself and not hmm. give it to the publisher or to the company well um i would probably the way i learned to understand this was if i rephrased it and said why would i sell the entirety of this image like the idea the concept execution everything to an mm-hmm. entity at this rate does that make sense am i it's like i mean it's it's similar to you know taking the little box on a site which says yes you can take my information it's fine you can take this copyright you can use it mm-hmm. that's all right but that i don't think that that doesn't uh, it doesn't do justice not the right value for what i'm given if i've worked on and say a bunch of illustrations and on a book and it's been about 20 25k but that's a volume of artwork that technically you know when you have the copyright to that you can print it on t-shirts you can put it you can use the likeness of those same characters in the next book that's a lot of value and you have to kind of okay. recognize that value and it's fine if it sits with you you keep it to yourself but you mm-hmm. you know be aware of when you're underselling yourself as well um the times where i've kept um mm. i haven't given the entire copyright over to a publishing house or to a company because that doesn't work with the budget that they've given me i've agreed to a certain budget because i say yes great this you know the this um story these illustrations are part of your campaign or your whatever your publication mm-hmm. but um right. after a year i if there's a fest coming up or there's an installation i have this artwork which i still own and i can still make good in it like maybe i want to use it in some way but i haven't given it over to someone entirely and makes sense it's makes sense. yeah it's the ownership of what you do i mean it comes on to your own principles but it does affect the industry at large i'd say as well like uh you know we don't right. grow up kind of being told that the work we do has value even after it's done for someone else that is true that is sadly true i agree 
ठीक है यू नो व्हाट दिस दिस गिव्स मी अ लॉट ऑफ क्लैरिटी बिकॉज़ दिस कॉपीराइट थिंग हैड बीन काइंड ऑफ इन माय हेड फॉर अ व्हाइल एंड आई वाज थिंकिंग ओके आई एम आई डूइंग द राइट थिंग बिकॉज़ आई एम गिविंग इट अवे सो प्रोबब्ली आई विल हैव अ बेटर वे टू लुक एट इट द नेक्स्ट टाइम अम एक्चुअली कमिंग जस्ट कमिंग बैक दैट पॉइंट क्विकली बिकॉज़ अम आई रियलाइज्ड दैट आई हैव आल्सो लाइक फॉर एग्जांपल आई वर्क विद पब्लिशिंग हाउसेस दैट हैव एन ओपन सोर्स और अ क्रिएटिव कॉमंस लाइसेंस where yes i'm doing the work mm-hmm. and you have all the copyrights in fact anyone can use this imagery in any way it's not protected by law but right. in that case that was fine because what is the intent if if i'm giving my copyrights to someone it's an education organization or an organization that's doing work i believe in then that's great that's way beyond profits correct. or correct. if it's correct. for a school or if it's for uh, your cousin's birthday you know hmm. it just needs to make sense to you in that sense so i don't mean that you should hold on to your right. copyrights with a vice but just be aware of um just be aware of things when you signed a contract i guess again that's true you know but okay one last uh, mm-hmm. tiny question on this point this is probably a little more technical mm-hmm. so when you say i want to keep the copyrights the only legal document that comes into the picture is when the client will send you the uh, contract only over there there should be a clause written that the illustrator will retain the copyrights or yeah. rights to the illustration yeah that's it right yeah and when you uh, when it's whatever it's mentioned for example when a book is published and it says um, copyright story uh, copyright illustrations yeah. copyright so usually copyright. illustration copyright in most cases will belong to the publishing house as you Correct. can see so yeah that's where it comes for but otherwise yeah in your contract again unless it's specifically mentioned um usually it will say that this work was created for mm. the benefit of like a was created for the benefit mm. of b for this project or it will just right. say that the entire rights are taken i mean these are right now so i'm yeah. i'm looking at a book right now hmm. which i have been looking around for a while it's by another nidn hmm. whom i wish to call to my uh, podcast okay. sometime rajiv so uh who's sorry i, I was I looking at the them? last page uh rajiv uh, i don't know oh, how yeah. to pronounce his last I, name a p e i p i p how is I, it i know yeah. okay i have no yeah, clue yeah definitely so, i know rajiv i right? yeah oh he's an amazing illustrator i really look up to his yeah he's an amazing yeah. yeah me too me too i have been collecting a few of his hmm. books so far and i did notice last night while reading that you know what the pictures were under his copyright so mm-hmm. that kind of answers the question yeah. you know yeah so thanks for that yeah perfect so uh, with this uh, i would just like to go back to a couple of things and then we'll close which is uh, let's quickly talk about this thing that i read about called kadak collective mm-hmm. what was that um so kadak was um... I mean, is a collection, basically a collection of uh, from artists from South Asia. At the time, it was Indian artists, sort of scattered around the globe. Around, I think, seven to ten of us, and uh, it started mm-hmm. as a collective where we wanted to basically we wanted to make work together. A lot of the work was on uh, themes of gender, sexuality, identity, things like mm-hmm. that, and it was just a collective of different practitioners there's um graphic designers and animators filmmakers a mix of us and mm-hmm. um the our first sort of project that we did together is we applied for a stall at elcaf at east london comic and um arts fest and uh, mm-hmm. we got a table over there so i and two three others we in london and we 
uh, we collected all of our work and we sold it to the stall. It's something as simple as that. But the idea behind Kadak was, um, I think Kadak is like having Kadak chai, like sharp, fighting, strong. Right. And that was the kind of tone or voice that we were going for at the time. So it was a really, it was a pretty exciting space at the time because we all had different jobs and different sort of paths, but mm. the kind of content or things we wanted to uh, make together, not just make together, in a lot of cases, we'd uh, put our books out together and exhibitions or apply for things. And our work was entirely, none of it was made in the same context or space, but it somehow came together. Right. It felt also like we had a safe space for conversations and, right. you know, have each other's backs. So, yeah, Kadak since then, I mean, uh, that was when I, I was more actively a part of Kadak then, but we uh, also put together the Bystander Anthology which was um, mm -hmm. which has about 50 uh, South Asian artists from around the world. And the theme is the bystander. It was Kickstarter crowdfunded. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think the, the Kadak Collective is that we're pretty active still. And, um, you know, like we put this out and it just got nominated for an Ignatz, which is, yeah, which is a really big thing in the comics world as well. Big deal, yeah. Yeah. So it's changed a lot in its form since then, but it Karak was also the first collective where I self-published my own comics under and started telling more stories or mm. collaborated with others. Um, my work partner then as well, Aarti, who she and I had done Urban Law together. She was a part of Karak as Urban well. Law, right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, one final question uh, would be you and writing. So I know that you also mentioned before the recording that you are also a writer and uh, you have been meaning to probably have. So is this a dream as well that one day one graphic novel, which is both written and illustrated by you? Yeah, definitely. I think that one day I'm hoping it's pretty soon. I just uh, chickened out this year because I, I felt like it was too much thinking time to work on my own book. But I do love writing. Um, I've always I've always written like not entire stories, but I've always scribbled or written in comics. Like I've always had pictures and had words. They've been equally important. And Great. even now when I think of um, story ideas or I make personal comics up online, it's always um, kind of like a small poem I write. I mean, if you read it out loud, it would be spoken word poetry maybe, but it's just a series of random words and they're like cues for me. So, oh, so they're like prompts for you. Nice. Prompts, yeah. That's a good idea. So, that, yeah, that's that, a great idea. That comes, that comes uh, naturally. Like I like doing that part of it, and yeah, as illustrator, you don't get to write too much. Um, mm -hmm. but I did a very research-focused masters, which finished last year, and I wrote so mm -hmm. much during that. And it was all design research-based stuff, but it uh, woke this up a little bit. I definitely want to write more. I have lots of stories and little scripts that I want to work on, but uh, let me handle this monster yeah. of a book first. And Correct, so yeah. 2023, so yeah. only after that, is it? Yeah, I think All right. a little bit. Yeah. It'll have to wait. Perfect. So, you know what, with this, we come to the last question that I have to ask you, Kaveri. And of course, after that, you are free to go. <laughs> so, uh, my last question would be, Again, this is a question which I started asking to my guest recently. And, right. uh, it's what has art taught you? Okay, because mm. I'm finding it very interesting because art has taught, I have taught myself art, yes. Yeah. But art also has taught me a lot of things in this whole journey. So what has art taught you? 
Hmm. Um. Okay. Such a such a heavy question. I have to do justice to yeah, this one. I know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like I said, I have no excuse for this for not having thought about this the last year or two. There's <laughs> been so much thinking time. Uh, I think I've I what art means to me is that it's a very stabling and grounding force. I mean. uh what i mean to say is that it's uh, on one hand it's it's my career it's what i do mm-hmm. um on the other hand it is a very big part of like of my identity it uh even whether even if i have art blocks for example like mm. just the process of trying to get out of an art block how many months or years it takes is still the process where you're making something so for me art gives True. me that like that sense of value or I don't know. I think if I wasn't doing working in an, say, if I was a writer, for example, it would always be a part of my life. I just don't. I don't think I can separate myself enough from it to um to think of it as more of that. But it includes like a lot. It influences my relationships with people. It influences how I manage my day. It definitely influences my mood. And yeah, I think it's um. it's how i said it's a it's like a complicated feeling but it's also very com- comfortable and comfortable. that's oh, wow uh, you know that's like that's beautiful uh, that's like it sounds like a movie i want to watch and i'm describing it that way <laughs> a complicated yeah, couple you know, that kind of a yeah you know what do you say like that yeah there's like a duality in it like oh god i have to work for this but also okay i don't mind doing this working yeah that's not work and ah that makes so much of sense cuz i can relate to it so well yeah. you're absolutely right oh, really? yeah there are days mm-hmm. when yeah because there are days when when you're making art for yourself that's one thing but yeah. when you're working for let's say projects and deadlines and yeah. stuff there are days where you are like hey i just don't want yeah. to do it or i don't feel like doing it or not again but then the moment you sit and you start the process yeah. you just this happens to me i just just lose myself in that yeah. whole moment and time just flashes by i don't even realize yeah definitely yep, that makes sense yeah it's... that makes sense all right all right so kaveri on that note i think we can safely call it a closure so thank you so much for uh, making time out for this uh, thank you so much for your beautiful answers to be honest uh, oh my gosh like a few of them especially the last one like you know uh, complicated yet comfortable i think i will use it somewhere yeah, i think yeah. i may want to use it somewhere so please don't keep the copyrights keep it at public so i can use it sometime but it was such a lovely conversation thank, thank you thank you i uh, I will. I promise you. I will. I don't know if you still have royalties to it, but or not. But I will buy your graphic novel. Uh, what month is this? September. Chalo, I'll buy it this month itself. But I would <laughs> like to go through the artwork at least. But uh, yeah, that's something which I'll do, and I'll really look forward to twenty twenty three when I am probably how how old will I be? How old are you? Thirty two. Two. Twenty nine. Am I? Yeah. Nineteen. This is what year? Oh shit! I've forgotten everything. This is twenty twenty one. हाँ, तो I should be ninety नहीं सच ninety तो क्या था कुछ भी बोल रहा हूँ twenty nine I'm sorry I'm twenty nine currently by then I think I'll be by the time the book comes out I'll be thirty two oh yeah I'll be in my thirties well, you'll yeah. be you'll be my age then so 
All right. Yeah. So I will be at the place probably where I can digest this. <laughs> but I, I would, I would really look forward. Thank, I really look forward. But thank you. Thank you so, so much, much for, for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah. I loved having. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. It's going to be my first, uh, being first time part of a podcast. No, so you can't see this, of course, but you'll have to listen to this. Yeah. But yeah, that's about it. But <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that yeah. will that will definitely be there. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, so that was my time with Kaveri. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. And uh, yes, the links to her work would be on the show notes below. So make sure you check them out. And uh, if you enjoyed this conversation, please tell your friends about it. Maybe put it up on your social media stories. That'll really help. And I will see you again next week with another guest. Till then, cheers. Cheers.